Now, if you'll join me in your Bibles or on your bulletins or up on the screen, I'm going to read this morning's scripture, Luke 12, 22 to 34. Luke 12, 22 through 34. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Please pray with me. Jesus, we love you this morning, and we thank you for your word. Thank you for this time of worship, this time to be together in community. Pray that you would focus our hearts on your word, that we could enjoy the benefits and the joy and the grace that comes from being with you this morning. I pray that you would humble all of us to just understand and know your gospel better, that we could apply it to our lives and and just live in joy and freedom. Jesus, we love you and pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, good morning, everyone. I want to invite you to keep your Bible open if you have it. If not, there's you have the bulletin there. Um, This morning, we are finishing our short summer series called Stumbling Forward, and uh, the reality is that the Christian life um, has a lot of ups and downs, that that we just don't grow on a a nice, consistent angle, and and life just always goes well. There's there's, uh, growing, and there's falling back, and and there's lots of stumbling involved. And this morning, uh, we're going to talk about anxiety, stumbling forward, with the right ambitions in life and, and how those relate to anxiety. Um, I spent about 15 years or so as a 8th grade middle school teacher and it was always interesting how much anxiety 14 and 15 year olds have. Right? As an adult you want to be like, you're, you're a kid, what do you have to be anxious about? What do you have to be, what do you have to be worrying about life for? Just go play and have fun. Right? But that doesn't work. Um, if you're in your college years, there's anxiety um, about life, the future. Will you get married? Will someone ask me on a date? Can I have a boyfriend or a girlfriend? What's happening in my life? That consumes us. You graduate, and then you're consumed about uh, getting a job and anxiety about that, different things. And it's just like it continues. It doesn't really matter what age you are. And 
I kind of got overwhelmed and kind of decided to stop on all the statistics. And you can do just a little bit of research. And we have more drugs, more therapists, more doctors, more experts on anxiety and um, fear and discouragement and worry maybe than ever before. We have more money, more material things maybe than ever before. And yet we are as anxious as ever before. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, right in the middle. We struggle with this. Uh, I was, I was, uh, received a letter um, earlier this summer, and I just want to share one uh, small part of the letter that relates to this. This is from somebody uh, in our church family from a, a while ago. Um, this person writes, A theme of this year for me has been feeling beat up and disappointed by the culture that we live in feeling overwhelmed for my marriage, my future family, and not feeling strong enough to engage with the broken world that, and at the same time be surrendered to God. So we, we, those, those are things we think about in life. Um, if you're a parent, you think about your kids, you, you think about their future and how you raise them and what's really important. And thankfully, though, Jesus talks um, uh, a lot about anxiety and a lot about worry. And he says, um, multiple times in the passage that we read this morning, he says this, don't be anxious. Don't don't worry. Um, One of the things that we know, though, is that we do. So there's there's this kind of odd thing. Jesus says, don't do this. Well, we do it. And what's important for us to understand is this idea is that Jesus, in this passage, is not going to make us feel guilty. He's not going to condemn us for it, right? Because we could have that, and then you start feeling, you start feeling condemned and anxious because you are already feeling anxiety about this topic of anxiety, and just like it just goes to nowhere really quickly. So I think what's important is that we really understand how Jesus speaks to his disciples, how he speaks to his closest followers and, and offers a way, offers a way of hope. And that's something that we all need. We all need a path forward. We all need a vision filled with hope and peace. And that's what Jesus provides. So number one is this, is that we live in a world of anxiety. That's just the reality of it. And um, one of the things we have to notice is this. So we read, this is Luke chapter 12, and we started in verse 22. But if you have your Bible... And you just turn one page back. Here's the context. Jesus is giving a talk to his disciples. Chapter 12, verse 1 says this, that there there were thousands of people. So this huge group of people that are tripping over themselves, trying to get close to Jesus. And he directs his words, though, to the disciples. And he begins by saying, and this is chapter 12, verse 4, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who can kill the body. That's number one. Number two, a few sentences later, a few verses later, he says this, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. So he's repeating this, and he's going to, we'll notice, he says it three times in the passage that we've looked at, uh, that we read this morning. So this is a repetitive thing that his disciples struggle with that they struggle with discouragement, with fear, with anxiety. And in the midst of the talk that Jesus gives, some guy says this, Hey, teacher, 
tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. Just, you know, sometimes I, I, I hear people talk about how we have become more rude as a culture here in Malibu. And Well, here's Jesus just giving this talk to his disciples. And some guy interrupts him and says, I want more money. Now, that's, that's as, kind of as rude as you can get, but that's what happens. And Jesus says to him, <clears throat> um, and he says to his disciples, this is really interesting, really significant, verse 15. In the midst of being interrupted, Jesus looks at the disciples and says, Take care, be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. So there's this conversation going on. The guy interrupts. Jesus directs his attention back to the disciples and says, life is not about material things. Life is not about money. Life is not ultimately about those things. And then he goes on and tells a story, a parable, to, to make this point. And Jesus tells a story, and he tells a story of a successful farmer. In verse 18, he says this, and he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there there I will store grain and all my goods. So after a great year of farming, doesn't have enough room to store all these things. He's going to tear them down and build more. And so he can say to his soul, he's talking about his life. What is life about? Life, soul, you have ample goods. You have enough goods laid up for many years. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to relax. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. But God says to him, fool, this night your soul, again, your soul, your life is required of you. And these things that you have prepared, whose will they be? Jesus is saying, when you die, you're not taking any of these material things with you. You're not taking money with you. Life is not made up of those things. Jesus finishes, verse 21, So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So he tells the parable about this guy who is making life all about money and possessions and misunderstanding what life is truly about. So that's the context. Jesus is talking to his disciples about fear and anxiety. What am I going to say? What happens if people don't like me? what happens, and this gets quite a bit more serious, what happens if people really don't like me because I'm a Christian and they don't like me so much they actually want to kill me? That changes things a little bit. And he says, don't worry. Don't, don't fear people that all they can do is affect your body. So it's on top of this that Jesus says this, and he says to his disciples, therefore I tell you. Therefore I tell you. So because life is not primarily about money and material things, I tell you this, don't be anxious about your life. That's what Jesus is conveying to his disciples, that that life is not about these things. In fact, in in verse 29, Jesus says, Do not seek seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things. So we live in a world that that's that's what people do, that their life is focused on seeking after, their hearts are set on material things. Their life is set on money. <clears throat> and Jesus says that that is not what life is to be about. That there is some connection in your life between material things, between money and anxiety in your life. So the reality of anxiety is that it is a regular part of our lives. It is not 
And Jesus here is nuanced. He's not saying that that is the only source of anxiety, but it's one critical, one dominating way we think about life. Let's think then for a moment, number two, about the source of anxiety. And the source of anxiety has to do with your understanding of who God is. And we have, <clears throat> we have things in life experiences that shape our view of God and, and, and um, shape either inaccurate or accurate things of God. But one of the things we have to be aware of that in this life, it is easy for us to misunderstand who God is and, and to allow really loud voices to speak into our lives. And when those things speak loudly into our lives, they create fear and anxiety. Things like money, things like the unknown about the future, things that um, can create deep fear. Loud voices in the world that we listen to that distort our picture of God. Um, some people, and I, I don't remember who first put these words on it, but they called the Oz factor. And I don't know, I might need someone's help here, but I don't remember when The Wizard of Oz came out. I feel like I, when I was really, really little, I saw it, and it was old then. I think it came out a long, long time ago. But I'm going to show you this really short scene in The Wizard of Oz. And it's, it's interesting, okay? So think about loud voices that you hear like this. Why are you still single? You're getting old. Why don't you have a job? You've graduated from college five years ago. Why don't you do things? Why aren't you better than your brother? And we hear things like this. And these things shape our lives. Let me show you this. This is kind of funny, but it's, it's so true. So remember, illustrations don't convey the point perfectly. They help you understand. All right? So anxiety, loud voices, and how they create fear. Do we have this? Tell me when it's over. Look at that. Look at that. Oh. I want to go home. I am Oz. The great and powerful. You stop for a sec. Who are you? Do not arouse the wrath of the great and powerful Oz. I said come back tomorrow. Come on. I am the great and powerful Oz. I am the great and powerful material blessing, material things. I am the great and powerful money. I am the great and powerful. Think about things in your life, voices that you hear, and they're often related to condemnation. You're unworthy. These things that, these messages in our lives that often bring condemnation to us and they bring fear and they bring anxiety and they bring worry. So this Oz, as, and it, we'll watch another minute of this, speaking to them and as you can all see, they're all shivering in fear. And while, listen, we're, we're, no one's shivering right now. When it's one in the morning and you can't sleep, and you're on the verge of shivering because you don't know what life is going to happen, what's happening in your life, and anxiety is real. Or it's three in the morning and you can't sleep and you haven't fallen asleep all night, and you're on the verge of shivering because you're so alone. 
And these voices of condemnation speak as loudly as we see in Oz. But what's so important, and I think we have this, this scene here, is truly understanding the voice. Can we continue? Do not arouse the wrath of the great and powerful Oz. I said come back tomorrow. If you are really great and powerful, you keep your promises. Do you presume to criticize the great Oz? You ungrateful creatures think yourselves lucky that I'm giving you audience tomorrow instead of 20 years from now. Oh. The great Oz has spoken. Oh. Pay no attention to... All right. So those voices that seem so real and so powerful and keep you up at night and lead you to dark places. I think what Jesus is saying here is when you pull back the curtain, you're, you're, you're listening to the wrong voice. That you're giving too much power in your life to voices that aren't real. You're not really understanding who God is. So a big part of anxiety is you and us not truly understanding who God is. Look at chapter 12, verse 30. It says this, For all of the nations of the world seek after these things. What are these things? The material things of the world. Money, material possessions, different things. Their hearts are set on those. And what does Jesus say? He says this, Your Father knows what you need. And number one, Number, one of the number one causes of it, or one of, the, one of the number one things that causes anxiety in our lives is that you forget that God is your Father. You forget who your Father is, that God is omnipotent. He's the all-powerful one. He is all-knowing. He knows what you need. He is your loving Father. Number two, Jesus says this, that He knows your needs. He knows you even better than you know yourself. And anxiety can take over your life if you forget that God is your true and loving Father and that He truly knows what you need. Next, you forget how valuable you are to God. And Jesus gives an example here. He wants you to understand who you are and how valuable you are to him. And so he gives this illustration. He says this, verse 23, life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. All right, the ravens are like the unwanted birds, the scavengers. The Bible talks a lot about birds and ravens. They're like the unwanted ones. Okay, so he says this, think about the most unwanted birds. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouses nor barns, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more valuable are you than the birds? Do you understand how valuable you are? Not in an empty, meaningless way like, like sometimes we see in our culture today, like where everyone just gets a four-foot trophy for finishing in last place. <laughs> You're valuable because you are made in his image because of how much he loves you. It is so important to understand how valuable you are. We understand that word value. It's a funny word. In fact, it makes you do funny things. About, I don't know, 15 years ago or so, when I was in seminary, I, and I was finishing up seminary, and I remember walking to the beach. And uh, 
just here in the neighborhood. And I'm walking down the road and I see this like super shiny thing, just boing. I'm like, walk, I'm like, it's a diamond. I was like, Malibu diamond? I'm like, there's my school bill right there. I'm gonna pay for the rest of my seminary education with this diamond I just found. And obviously I'm not a, you know, I'm not a diamond export, expert, so I look at it, I'm like, it looks real, it looks cool. And so I'm like, I run back home and put it in, right, if it's valuable, what do you do? You put it in a safe spot. Did I put it in my pocket and go surfing? No. Put it in a safe, it's valuable. I'm gonna protect it, I'm gonna keep it somewhere. And yes, obviously, as the story goes, it was like out of a Cracker Jacks box or something. I took it to some stone guy and he's like, yeah, it's about $8 maybe or something ridiculous. So, and you're like, oh, for a second, for a second, this is what, some, this is what value does. You get excited. This is, this is the danger of material things. And what Jesus is saying is you are so much more valuable than that that God the Father loves you and values you, and He knows what you need. So the source of anxiety is you forgetting, and we do, we all do, we forget who God is. We distort our understanding of who God truly is, that He is your loving Father. He knows what you need, and you are highly valued. So remember that. When you think and, and you're struggling with Anxiety, Jesus goes on and says this, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of your life? Think about that for a moment. The reality is this, that for many of us, anxiety is our go-to. That's our drug of choice. We wake up in the morning feeling anxious, anxious throughout the day, and we go to bed. It's our little pet we hold on to. And Jesus says, it can do nothing to you. It cannot help you in any way. It adds nothing to your life. He goes on and gives another example. And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to your life? If then you are not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the flowers, the lilies. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. He's saying this, in the summer heat, the climate here in Malibu is not that much different. In the summer heat, the grass can die, the flowers can fade. But God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. How much more will he clothe you? He wants to take care of you. And so we forget about what God is truly like, that he loves you, he cares for you, and you need to understand that, that when you forget who God truly is, your hearts naturally go to anxiety and worry. Number three, then, the, the antidote for anxiety is this, is that we live with the right ambition. Jesus says this, verse 31, he says, instead, or but, instead of focusing your life on the earthly things, Instead of focusing your life on material things, on things that are fading, the things that are just temporary, he says this, focus your life on God's kingdom. That that is to be what our life, that is to be your life's ambition. That the antidote for anxiety is not just staying focused on the material things of this world. Think about this as parents for a moment. 
trying to raise children in a way that's honoring to God and in a way that they can be confident and, and understand how the world works and how we can pass on these things. We can pass this on to our children that our anxious hearts they cannot be hidden. And anxiety has a way of gripping us. And so we must understand how we move forward. And Jesus says this, that we begin by making it the ambition of your life to seek first. Matthew says in the, in the exact same passage, he says this, seek first the kingdom of God, that that is to be what your life is made up by. Jesus will teach regularly by saying this, here's how the world lives. I'm going to give you a better way, that there is a better way to live your life. And that is one of the essential things about Christianity, to ask yourself, well, does it work? Do these words of Christ, do they truly work? Do they change how we live? And that's what you can ask yourself. A life focused on material things, a life focused on the things of the, the temporary things of this world, how are they in contrast when you focus your life on seeking his kingdom? Well, what does it take to live with a new, a new ambition, a new priority of life? Jesus says this when talking to the disciples. He says this, O oh, you of little faith. So what does it take to live with an ambition that helps you to eliminate anxiety in your life? It takes faith. It takes faith. And the opposite of faith is fear. And think about how we live our lives. Are you more controlled by fear or are you more controlled by faith? Jesus says here in John, excuse me, in Luke 12, be careful. He says how you live your life matters and faith is the way you activate your life. Faith is the way you move forward. And what's interesting is, is that this word, O oh, you of little faith, it's one word in Greek. And it's used somewhere else. And it's kind of a, a well-known story. It's the story of when Jesus is in the boat with the disciples. And Jesus falls asleep and a storm starts happening. Waves start crashing. And the disciples start panicking, like fear. They see the waves. They're freaking out. Anxiety, fear, all these horrible things. And Jesus wakes up and says, again, O oh, you of little faith. So what does that mean? What does this word mean? It's an abstract word. And so here's what, to help us better understand living by faith. Number one, it means this, that faith is not a feeling. That faith is not a feeling. Feelings come and go. And we don't want to live our lives by feelings. Feelings lead to anxiety. Feelings lead to worry. Jesus says we are to live by faith, that your life is to be marked by faith, which means it's not feelings. Here's what it means. It means this, that every time something goes wrong in life, you aren't ruined by it. That every time something goes uh, a way that you don't want it to go, every time life doesn't go the way exactly how you want, it doesn't destroy you. If every time life goes wrong, it destroys you, you're living life by your feelings instead of faith. Faith allows you to understand that sometimes when life doesn't go just right, there is a way forward. Number two, faith does not automatically happen. You can't just um, 
receive Christ at camp in 10th grade and just hit automatic cruise control the rest of your life and think life is going to work. You have to be active in your faith. You have to put it into practice. Cars now have this thing where you can set it to automatic climate control. 66 degrees if you ride with me. Nice and cool. <laughs> and you just ignore it the rest of the trip. And I want to say to you that life does not work like that. The Christian life does not work like that. You can't just come to church once, once a week and and think that your faith is just going to be strengthened by that alone. Faith has to be used. Faith has to be trusted. In the story of Luke, uh, of, of the boat and the disciples, Luke phrases it slightly different. He says this, where is your faith? Matthew says, oh, you have little faith. Luke says, where is your faith? And that's worth it for you to think about this morning in your life and, and the anxiety that you wrestle with. I know we all do. And so the question to ask yourself is, what is this thing that's causing anxiety? And then the follow-up question is, where is your faith in this situation? If God is your Father, He knows what you need, He loves you, you're highly valuable to Him, where's your faith? Faith is not always when life just goes according to plan, when life goes just great. Faith gets tested that's what Hebrews chapter 11 is all about. Stories of people whose lives have been tested. How is your faith? Will you activate it and put it in trust? Jesus says here that we are to seek first the kingdom of God, that that is to be our priorities, and we do that by faith, that we trust in him, we trust in God our Father, we trust in Jesus Christ, his Son. And here's some, a breakdown then of what that means as far as living and seeking his kingdom. Seeking the kingdom does not mean you're out looking for it, like you can't find it. It means making that the priority of your life. It means making that the highest ambition of your life. And the word kingdom can be a little bit challenging to understand, but it's this idea of rule. It's either a kingdom of self or it's a kingdom of God. Whose rule, whose authority are you living under? And this whole passage here is about Jesus saying this, if you live under a kingdom of you, there's going to be anxiety. If you live under a kingdom of God, there will be things in life that can lead to anxiety. But if you know who God is and you put your faith in him, you can live in a way that overcomes that. So then Jesus says, verse 32, that when you seek the king, when you make that a priority of your life, fear not. Now, it's, you know, why would he say that right after saying, seek the kingdom? Or, or as he, Jesus says, make it your highest ambition in life to live your life under my authority and fear not. Well, because when you do that, when you live with Jesus Christ as the supreme authority in your life, when you put yourself under his leadership, Things will happen in life that will create fear, that will create doubt, that it's an opportunity of testing of your faith. And then he says this, my little flock, it is your father's good pleasure to give to you the kingdom. Again, we see the essence of who God is. Verse 33 then 
connects with what we talked about the last few weeks, last two weeks, the idea of generosity and service. That when Jesus Christ changes your heart from the inside out and you understand more about what life is about, there will be a generosity aspect of your life. And here's what he says, verse 34 at the very end, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you're treasuring the material things of the world, if you're treasuring the things that aren't eternal, if those are the things your heart seeks after, if those are the things that you love, it leads to anxiety. It happens, to, it happens all the time that our hearts are magnetically pulled to material things. I was reading the early this morning, and this is what's so funny. It's different for all of us. I was reading this morning, reading over my notes and thinking and just what my normal thing, and I got an email from Rawlings. Now, most of you probably don't even know who, what Rawlings is, but it's a, it's a sporting goods company, and it's, the email said this, create your own custom baseball glove. And it had all these colors. And I was like, oh, look how cool this is. <laughs> and I'm reading this about the material things of the world. I'm like, like er, breaks. Like, my boys are into sports right now. Whatever it is, you might be into remodeling your kitchen, and you get a, an, an email from Crate and Barrel or whatever it could be. It's all different things. Our hearts naturally are pulled to the temporary, the material things of this world. And Jesus says this, make your ambitions so much bigger than that. Live with a big faith. Live with much bigger ambitions than that. That there is something more beautiful. Like peace. Do you have peace? Are you, do you have the capability in your heart to love? Do you have the capability in your heart to love those who are really hard to love? Do you have joy in your heart? Jesus says that my kingdom is about those things. And that's what we want. That's why Jesus says, make your ambition about my kingdom far bigger than these things. There's something, there's something far more beautiful that Jesus Christ wants to give to you this morning than money or material things. He wants to give you something bigger and beautiful. And we receive it in faith. And we believe and we understand that God is our Father and He loves you and He wants to give you good things. I'm hoping on my prayer for my own life, our family, and for our church family is that we have, have the highest ambitions for life. Not for making more money, not for gaining material things, but for knowing Jesus Christ. To see and understand the good things He wants to give. That he wants to give you family love. That he wants to give you things that are eternal. That no one can take away from you. They're valuable. They're precious. The Bible refers to those things as treasure. And Jesus says, set our hearts on those things. That's what we are to be about. Set your heart on those things. On the kingdom of God. Let's pray together. Father, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would increase our faith, that would grow our faith, our trust, our understanding of who you are, that you are our good, good Father. You know what we need. You know the desires of our hearts. Father, I pray this morning that if there is anyone here that's, that's deeply struggling with fear and anxiety,
that they're, maybe they're paralyzed by it right now, that your Holy Spirit would bring freedom, that there would be healing of hearts, that there would be a supernatural transition from anxiety to rest to peace. Father, we ask these things in your name, and we know you want to give us good things. We ask these things in your name. Amen.